I'm Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Hey there, freedom seekers. Ever wonder about the hero that lives inside of you, ready to conquer the business world? Well, if you've been listening to our show for a while, then you know that we love exploring hero myths and using them to better understand our own heroic journeys. I wanted to make these stories even more actionable for you, so we built a way for you to uncover your business superpowers, avoid potential pitfalls, and see your entrepreneurial journey in a whole new light. Ready to discover your business owner hero type? Check out the show notes or head over to lucidshiftcoaching.com forward slash quiz to take our free quiz and learn which heroic energy you embody in your business. It only takes a few minutes and it's free. Your heroic journey awaits. Hey, everyone. So excited to have you back on the podcast. I'm here today with Clayton Olson, and we're talking about the zero-sum game and how we can get trapped up in this way of thinking that'll block us off from possibilities in our world. I love this topic because we're talking about something that shows up in relationships, it shows up in business, it shows up in a lot of our thinking. And the downside of this kind of thing is we'll wind up in some scarcity mindset. We'll be thinking that competition is a, a lot bigger in the world than it really needs to be in our minds. And so I'm excited to have this conversation. Clayton, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to chat with you about this. I think it's a really important topic. And it's one that people can unconsciously slip into, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur and working towards achieving your goals and your, your money goals in that arena, or whether you are in relationship or in the dating world, trying to find a life partner. This zero-sum mindset can really chop us off at the knees. It can have us operating from a unresourceful state of mind, to your point a place of scarcity, a place where we might even be in fight or flight. We don't even know it. And our executive function is offline as well. So um, I'm thinking the place to start here is just to talk a little bit about like how one might know that they're in the zero sum game. And then we can begin a transition out of that. Yeah, maybe we could talk even a little before that about what a zero sum game is. So if you've never heard this concept before, you never you haven't heard it called this way. A zero sum game is any game where there can basically be only one winner. So if you think of like a chess game or a game of like poker where money changes hands, but really there's a finite amount of money that exists on the table and only one person can walk away with it. So for every dollar that someone wins, somebody else like loses that dollar. And that's like what a zero sum game is. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, Clayton, and anything to add to that, that concept. Yeah, I would also say that it's one where there is a real focus on external mile markers as the thing that is giving us permission to experience the type of feeling and the way of being that we want. So for instance, when I hit a million dollars in revenue, or when I've got this perfect partner, or when I know that they're attracted to me, I can then sigh an exhale of relief and feel the security that I'm looking for. 
So it's in some ways almost putting my sense of security, my sense of happiness, well-being on something outside of myself that I have no control over. And the way that I am going towards the, my way of being that I am embodying as I'm going towards that goal is one of this needs to happen or else. We tend to white knuckle and really get into a frame that can be destructive and unsustainable. And I'm sure our listeners can identify with that white knuckling. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of that that's going on. So tell me, how do you see this showing up in the relationship realm? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. The most common ways it shows up in the relationship realm is when people are, again, putting a tremendous amount of their security on elements and mile markers within the relationship, the dating dynamic that they can't control. So asking questions like, okay, I need to know whether or not this person's attracted to me. I want to know where do I stand with this person? Are we boyfriend and girlfriend yet? Are they fully committed? Okay, now if we're in a relationship, when are we getting married? The way of being around these questions is not one just of curiosity and relaxed inquiry. It's one of we're not okay where we're currently at and we need to be moving into this thing. And once there is a label on it, once I have some type of assurance from you, then I will allow myself to feel secure. I will allow myself to feel open, charming, relaxed. Finally, I can be myself. And so we can see that that's a really detrimental way of showing up. There's a theory called attachment theory in relationship where there's three different types of folks. There's more than three, but the three primary buckets are anxious, secure, and avoidant. And a lot of folks that have an anxious orientation in relationship where they are have a preoccupation with the closeness and the distance in the relationship tend to have this kind of zero-sum mindset where they're really putting an undue amount of security on the other person as they're being responsible to give it to them through their actions and what they're doing. I'm wondering, is it like, can we understand this to, to be something like, if I have these things, then I'll be complete and that kind of a feeling? If this person shows up and gives me this thing, if I get the, the mile marker, if I get that fiance, if I get that marriage, then I'll be complete. Because I hear this a lot in business too. We hear people say, you know, I'll be happy when I get to that, that 10K mark a month is a big mile marker. That million dollar year is a big mile marker where people will talk about it. And it's like, I'll be happy when X happens and then I'll be complete. You got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially just in the realm of relationship to throw another piece in there. I think the most common one and the most widespread is I'm single. And when I'm in a relationship, that'll be the final check mark that you know, I, can, I can mark off the list. And then my life will be working and I'll be okay. Although intellectually, we might know there's something kind of ridiculous about that. There's an orientation. There's a way in which our system shows up in the world where we just feel this lack and we're operating from that place of looking for these external mile markers to fill our cup, when really the way that we access far more effectiveness in creating that thing we want is actually by coming from already having a full cup, coming from already having the security, coming from a place of already creating completeness within us, and then moving towards this goal. Because then we don't approach the goal then from a place of, I'm looking for this thing to complete me. I'm looking for this certain number amount to give me the security I'm looking for, the relaxedness, the sense of accomplishment. I'm actually bringing something like that already to the game as a starting point, which completely changes how we play. I see. I'm really interested in this. And I think that people in general, this is something that's really useful for us to remember and to keep, even, even if we heard it before we, and we get it, to really remember this, because this is the essence of like what manifestation is, for instance, or like 
bringing a, a vision of reality in the future to the now, like how do we create from a place of already being there? And we're not pretending, we're not like playing some game where we're like lying to ourselves about the future. What we're doing is we're accessing that way of being inside ourselves that has already done it, where we're already whole, resourceful and complete. And I think this is something really useful because it gets us out of that idea of like, I'll be complete when I check the boxes or when I get whatever fill in the blank thing. If we're already a whole resourceful and complete, if we're already a full human being worthy of love and attention and affection in the world, right? Worthy of our own esteem, then there's no really no place to be. Yeah, there's no place to get to. Yeah. And from that place, we can create whatever we want. I was going to talk about competition and collaboration, how there's really no such thing as competition. But actually, I'm really interested to hear, because in terms of this zero-sum game, in terms of like winning, how do you think about that in terms of like relationship? Because I was wondering about this earlier. I'm like, in some ways, you could say that it kind of is a zero-sum game in relationship. I I could see that being a reasonable argument, you know, that like, well, you win a partner and the partner is then off the market, so to speak. So I'm curious, like, how do you think about that? So I'll just address the competition piece because I think there's a a really powerful distinction here between being in the zero-sum game versus being out of the zero-sum game. The person who's in the zero-sum game sees other people as competition in the dating world. They see other partners or other people that maybe your partner is talking to as possible threats, threats of the relationship. Someone who's outside of the zero-sum mindset actually sees other people that may draw your partner's attention as inspiration. They see that other person's energy as something that actually feeds into the relationship, maybe makes the relationship more vibrant. For instance, if your partner ends up having like a energetic and a live conversation with somebody, rather than being threatened by it, it's like, oh, wow, there's a witnessing, there's some contribution now that my partner's been lit up in some way and they can bring back to us. They can bring back that actually maybe deepens our intimacy or there's something that I'm seeing in another person who I thought was a threat that has qualities that maybe I want to embody more. So I can use that as a model now to step into another higher level of being or a more integrated person. It's almost this anti-fragile mentality where I look out into the world and everything becomes a resource rather than something that I need to protect myself from. Mm, Yeah. And I think we could do a whole episode on anti-fragile, but just for anybody who's unfamiliar with this, some things are fragile. They break when they're exposed to hardships. Some things are resilient. They have a hard time being broken this would be like bones or stones, things like that. But some things are anti-fragile and those things, they actually get stronger, get better from exposure to hard times. So like our muscles, when we go to the gym, we're like tearing them down. But then from that tearing down process, they actually get, they come back stronger. Yeah. And then one more point that I was going to make around the relationship piece, and I want to toss it back over to you, is there's also this distinction that's coming to mind around when I'm working with a client in this arena they may be orienting towards getting a partner, creating a partner in their life from a place of, I need to make this happen. This is something I need versus this is something that I want. And that distinction is, it's subtle, but it makes a world of difference. Because if you're orienting towards, I need a relationship versus I want a relationship, I need a relationship is built from the foundation of, if I don't get this, I'm not okay. And I'm not okay until I get this. And I want a relationship is from a place of, yeah, I have desires and I'm okay if they don't actually happen. It doesn't mean I'm going to say that I don't want it. No, of course I still want it, but I can operate from a place where I'm more relaxed because it's not a need. It's not like I'm gasping for air or trying to like pull sustenance and nutrition from 
a relationship, but rather I'm coming to the table as a whole and complete person with something to offer rather than looking at a relationship as a place to withdraw from. Oh, I love that deposit versus withdrawal distinction. I think also we, we could do another episode on need versus want in the future too, because it's something I talk about with clients a lot, like in, in terms of like needing to take action versus wanting to take action and like what that does to our psychology. I think it's really powerful stuff. Do you have anything to say about that specifically around the, the need versus want? I'm really fascinated with this idea. You know, I don't know if you ever read the book Drive. I think it was by Dan Pink, but basically it's, he talks about these three intrinsic motivators that we have and they spell AMP, uh, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Like we want to be in charge of our own lives. We want to be getting better at things. And then we want to be contributing to something larger than ourselves, right? So autonomy, mastery, and purpose. The thing is, these are like the intrinsic motivations that human beings have across cultures and, and, you know, across societies and in different walks of life. We tend to think of motivation as being like this external thing, which is like money would be an external motivator, attention would be an external motivator, things like that. But what happens is those things actually wind up not only not working to motivate us, but they kind of do the opposite. They'll demotivate us when they're not present. If we've like based our motivation on these things, like these external factors then when they're not present, we'll, we'll be demotivated. Okay, so it's counterproductive. And so then the interesting thing is when we use words like need or should, what we're doing is we're like externalizing this, this like motivation for our lives. And so behind every need, I, I say, there's not one thing you need to do. I'll tell everybody, there's not one thing you need to do. Like, oh, well, I need to keep breathing. Well, only if you want to live, because if you don't want to live, actually, you don't need to keep breathing. And people have found out <laughs> lots of different ways to stop breathing if they didn't want to. So finding that like want language, whatever the want is, the desire behind the need, I think it's just such a powerful way to live our lives so that we can find our own motivation for whatever it is that we want to do. Totally. Yeah. And I think just to put one more layer on that, it's the transition from living as something outside of you as being the authority versus allowing your desire, your heart to be the authority and the matter and the actions that you take, right? So you're bringing your heart then into every action. To your point, I mean, working with people around business, I imagine that when you, when you clear the path of all the needs and you start to tap into the heart and the want of why are we actually taking these actions, we start to bring our heart back into the business, which can transform the business from a place of like obligation and shoulds and have tos exactly. to actually know like I'm connected to what I want to do. This, this is, I'm passionate about it again. Exactly. And I think we could say the same thing about relationship too, right? Like when we're not trying to just check the boxes or like find the thing that will complete us, like then we actually can open up and experience the person who's in front of us without all of the stories and without all of the obligations and without the scarcity that will, you know, we'll have to do this in order to be a complete human being. And we can start to just play in the, in the moment and with, and with the person that's in front of us. That's it. That's it. The play word, man. That's it. The thing about play, I think that navigating clients into a place of truly being able to play in dating, play in relationship, play in their business, that is where the most powerful learning happens. And that is where we access the most resourceful creative states of mind. So I think you're, you're pointing to like the pinnacle of a way of being that is just so effective in both relationship and business. Yeah, totally. I heard this, um, I think it was Jordan Peterson, but I heard this uh, talk one time he was talking about play and the power of play in our minds, because you think about something, he took the example of Monopoly, for instance, where, you know, you have this game where everybody's like agreeing to kind of suspend disbelief and step into the mindset that we are all, all real estate 
moguls in New York and we're like, or in Atlantic City, and we're like trying to like, these aren't just colored pieces of paper, they're, it's actually real money and it matters. And what that does when we're, when we suspend that disbelief and we agree to all play by like those rules, then we're able to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do because we're like entering into the spirit where there's like a safe place to try things out and fail, you know what I mean? And we're not taking it so personally. And so I think that's, I love that like model for reality of like play and using play as like a way to just have some fun with your life. You know, you know what I mean? Like we have a very limited time on the planet. Like what happens if we don't take it so seriously and we start to have a little bit of fun? Yeah, man. Yeah. More, more reaching for the things we want, more risk, more insulation against what we might have perceived as failure. That's a great point. Cause th that's one thing that this mindset even does is like, it insulates us. Yeah. Just holding the mindset of play can insulate us and have that effect. Totally. I'd be interested to hear practically speaking. Okay. And we're going to wrap here in just a minute, but practically speaking, what do you think people can do about this zero sum mindset or this, like this idea that we need that whatever the thing is to be complete. So how do we actually put this into our lives? It's cool. We understand the concepts now, maybe go back through the, the podcast, listen to it a couple more times, but what do you think people can do about it? Yeah. Well, I'll throw out two ideas and then I'd love to hear just how these land and what ideas you might got as well. The first one is just to make that shift from seeing that your the external thing you're going for is not primary, but rather you investing in yourself in the pursuit of the goal is the greatest asset. You are the greatest asset in this equation. And whether or not you actually get the thing that you originally think you want, that's the booby prize. The real prize is who you become in pursuit of the goal. The goal becomes a crucible for your own becoming, for your own transformation. And when you can put your focus there, you take the goal line, which was external and circumstantial and also something that's outside of your control, which creates insecurity. And you bring that mile marker inward to where there is no way to lose. There is no way to lose because it's all about who you're becoming. And as long as you are learning and you are focused on who you're becoming in terms of the character traits, clearly pulling out more of your values, living in alignment, bringing more integrity, honesty, transparency into the pursuit of this goal, whether or not it happens doesn't even matter then at that point. Because of just the accumulation of, of knowledge, experience, and, and wisdom that you're gaining about yourself. So I'd say that's one of the ways that you can begin to practically implement this. I love that. And so, and so what we're, if I'm going to recap what I heard you say, what we're doing is we're moving this external mile marker. We're, we're moving this, the goal from an external goal to an internal goal. So rather than saying like, what do I want to accomplish? We're moving the marker for success inward. And we're saying, who do I want to become? That's it. That's awesome. That's a really powerful framework, I think. Yeah, because when I work with clients around this, whether it is business or relationship, and they're noticing that there's an experience of anxiety that they're having where they feel like they're at the plate and they've got one chance, they've got to hit a grand slam. We're actually focused on something that is outside of your control. There's a way in which you are giving your own power and authority away to whether or not something happens out there. Let's actually bring this inward. Because then it's like, now you can play, play freely because you're, you're not, again, white knuckling it, hoping that something happens from a place of disempowerment. And telling that story that if it doesn't, I'm not going to be okay. That's, that I think is like this really key distinction that you were bringing in earlier. It's like, it's okay to want things in the world. It's not okay to need things because as soon as we think that to ourselves, we've brought ourselves out of the state of okayness. Right now, my okayness is dependent on whatever's happening out there in the world. And that's why it's not okay. 
beautiful way of saying it. Yeah. 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 And you said there were two things. What was the second thing? Well, the other piece that I'd like to bring in is just to continually find ways that you're actually already winning. To find ways that you're you're already actually winning at whatever game that you're playing. Because one way that we can put the carrot at the end of the stick where we're using these mile markers outside of us to dictate our way of being is we almost lose touch of all of the accomplishment and the ways that we're actually already really crushing it in life. The ways that we're already resourceful, the ways that all the things that we have to be grateful for, all the things that we've already accomplished. And when we can really start to like pause for a moment and rather than looking forward and and hinging our okayness on getting this thing, we just pause and we look backwards and we see how far we've actually come and how much we're already actually winning and how much life has already actually worked in our favor. And that whatever situation we've been in, we've gotten through because we have evidence of that because we have a pulse, right? And so we take that state of being from like, I am already winning. I, I already create through every circumstance that has occurred in my life that's been challenging. That's who I am. From that place, when we move forward, there's a completely different state of being that we have to engage with the pursuit of the goals. I love that. I love that mindset. And I love that model for, for thinking about reality. This is in some ways, this is like a gratitude practice as well, right? Like this is, this is what I think the purpose of a gratitude practice is, is for us to recognize that like things are already great. I had this awareness the other day. Like I, I go for a walk every night. It's like five minutes from my house to get to this, like it's epic. I live in a place where I feel like it's a fairyland for me. I've wanted to live in something like this my whole life. There's a river along, you know, I walk along a river. I walk across a boardwalk through a forest over a river, like on this, like just in this beautiful place. And I'm usually so busy, like listening to podcasts or creating content or thinking about things that I don't, don't even usually notice, like stop and recognize that I have since the time I was little wanted to create a life where the temperature was always perfect for me, where it's green and there's water around me everywhere, right? And I like had this moment the other day where my AirPods died, thank God, because, <laughs> because when they died and I couldn't listen to my podcast and I couldn't be creating content, I just got to listen to the river. And I was like, whoa, I've been so busy trying to get there that I didn't realize that I'm already there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's just like a really beautiful awareness to come to that it's like, it's okay mm. to just pause and recognize the world around you. It's such a great way of articulating that, man. I love that. And so just to kind of put the cherry on top here, I think for anybody listening, the question that I would pose then is, how would you operate if you already knew you arrived? How would you show up now moving forward if you were to fully stand in that you've already arrived, that there's no other place to go? Right. And sometimes I think there's this thought of like, oh, well, if I already arrived, I wouldn't be motivated to do anything. And it's like, ah, that's not actually true. That's just that's what the whole kind of need to part of your mind would have you think. But really, it's like, why does a child on a beach go run and build a sandcastle? Do they need to build a sandcastle? No, they want to go play and they want to build something beautiful. So it's like, wow, yeah, when we stand in place, we've already arrived and we're whole and complete. We get to really engage with the world and what we're up to from a place of it being an artistic project rather than work. Oh, that's so beautiful, man. That's a really great reminder and great way of thinking about this. I also love this, the way that you put it, how, how would you operate if you were already there? I just like that language. Dude, I really appreciate this conversation. Yeah, I great think this conversation. is really powerful stuff. I actually, this is part of 
what my motivation for this podcast is, is because like I see it, one of the biggest challenges that people face is this, this thought, I know. I already know that thing, right? And it's like, if you already know something, then you're closing yourself off to the exploration of the idea. And there are many layers of knowing and awareness that we can come to. And so, so like one of the reasons I love what I do for a living is because I get to keep practicing all of these ideas over and over again, because it's not enough to just know these things we really can integrate again and again and again. And like that is the beautiful part of exploring in our world is that we get to keep seeing things, the same things with fresh eyes over and over again. And so I really love having this kind of conversation, especially having it with you. I love, obviously I love you and I love having our conversations. We've always had these really deep conversations, but it's not like, I want to say that they don't have to be these new things, but they always are. The thing is like every conversation is this like beautiful, new, unique exploration of the world. And even if we've talked about the same topic before, we now are bringing all of our present moment experiences to the conversation and everything that we have learned and all of the the us that we've become into the conversation. And so there's like a new way, a new lens of looking at it. And so I really like that, that like, yeah, that viewpoint. I love that too. Clayton, uh, thank you so much for having this conversation. I look forward to many more of these really appreciate you talking to me today. Look forward to many more of these. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.